hopeless situation and victory is kernel to them. There's always some incredibly hopeless situation and victory is snatched out of the jaws of defeat. But how? You always, through someone who comes in, whose, whose weakness turns out to be strength, someone whose defeat turns out to be victory. And he says it's those kind of stories that just seem to bring us joy. And he calls these stories eucatastrophes. Eucatastrophe is a, it's a good catastrophe. It's a, it's a joy catastrophe. You know, the, the, the tragedy turns out to be triumph. The sacrifice that turns out to bring joy. And he said there's, however, a, a eucatastrophe of the eucatastrophes. There's a story in all the stories, and he believes there's a, a, a bass string to the human heart, and those stories can kind of make it reverberate a little bit but can't pluck it. Tolkien says the gospel story is the only story that will pluck that string so that the whole heart never stops reverberating and vibrating with joy. And the reason it will reverberate is this is the reality to which all the other stories point. It happened. It really happened. There, there really is a hero who, who defeats the, the villain. And this really is Jesus, the, the gospel. It's good news, the, the joy news. It's real and you have to have it. So... Jesus was put in a tomb. He was, he was killed on a cross, and those who, those who put him there thought, okay, we, we won. <laughs> we won. He's, he's a goner. End of story. He's, he's dead. Well, that's not the end of the story. The story absolutely did not end there. If, if it had, we wouldn't be here this morning. Or if we were, we'd be the world's biggest fools. You know, our, our hope would, would be in vain. Well, let's continue with the rest of the story. We're going to read this morning from Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. And on this, this Easter day, we're going to celebrate Jesus' victory over death, the, the resurrection. And this is, this is the core, or it's at the core of the Christian faith. The resurrection. There's no Christianity without the resurrection. It's that important. Read with me in Mark chapter 16, starting verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And on the very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to each other, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? <coughs> and looking up, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, this good news, this this joyful story that that's real. It it happened, and the results two thousand years later put us right here worshiping you, our, our risen, living Lord. So, Lord, open our hearts this morning to to hear your word. And live in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to look at this in, in this sermon in, in three movements. First, the the what. What happened? You know, Mark gives us a, a report of the events. The other gospel writers do as well. And in his typical way, though, Mark is very brief. You know, he doesn't give us as many details as the other gospel writers Sometimes it's it's important to look at the significance of the, event, the events that he doesn't include. Second, why did it happen? What's what's the significance of the resurrection? Why does it mean so much? You know, if it's nothing more than just a good story, if all we do is say, "Whoa, I thought he was a goner, but he won," you know, we really don't see the big picture. Of the, of the relevance in our lives of, of the resurrection, of the living Christ. Last, how do we respond to the gospel, this, this story, this, this joyful story, this, this good news? What does it really mean to us in how we live our lives? So first, what happened? Well, we know what happened. On the, on the third day after Jesus died, he rose Later on, he appeared to a lot of people on several occasions, hundreds of people. And I've, you know, I've heard skeptics say, this is legend. You know, you've probably heard this too. This is just a, a story. Jesus' disciples, after he was dead and, you know, they did something with his body, they, they made this stuff up so that they could create this, this big religion and take over the world. You know, you, you, you've probably heard that, you've heard people say the gospel accounts were, were written hundreds of years after the fact and that, you know, the, the disciples just reported what they wanted people to, to hear. Well, this simply isn't true. You know, Mark was written at a time when many of the eyewitnesses were still alive. And when we look at, at this account, we see that this just doesn't fit the mold of, of legend. You know, first we we see that the, the witnesses were women. And you say, so what? Of course they were. But we need to understand that in first century Palestine, women were not considered to be reliable witnesses. You know, the testimony in a court of law from a woman would, would mean nothing. A, a legend would never have women witnesses to the burial and resurrection while the male disciples ran off and, and hid. Anyway, these three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and, and Joseph, of Joseph and Salome go to the tomb with spices for Jesus' dead body. 
You know, they, these were the same women who in, in chapter 15 were, were at a distance, watching at a distance when uh, Jesus died on, on the cross. The, the two Marys had also watched when the, when the body was entombed. Now, the book of Mark was the, uh, the first gospel account to be written. And uh, you can tell that Mark's original audience knew these people. That Just the way he says it, he says, Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph. The audience knew these guys. And, and they would read this and say, yeah, I know who, I know who you're talking about. I, I know them. You know, these women fully expected to see a, a dead Jesus. They were going to the tomb to prepare his corpse with these spices. And though Jesus had three times told his disciples that he would be raised from the dead, it seems that nobody really believed it. You know, they're coming to anoint Jesus' body with these spices to, to preserve the corpse. And, you know, they didn't do it before because it had been the Sabbath. And now it occurs to them they're going to have to deal with this big heavy stone that's in front of the, the tomb. How, how are they going to move it? They're, they're worried about this. And when they got there, the stone was already rolled away. And there's this guy sitting there saying, Jesus is in here. This is where they laid him, but, but he's risen. And he'll meet you in Galilee just like he said. Jesus had told them back in Mark 14, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. This all had to have been very strange, to say the least. You know, they, <laughs> this guy says, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed, after they were startled. You know, I love this part where He's relaying this message from Jesus. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Tell the disciples and let Peter know too. Why would he single Peter out like that? You know, Peter Peter was one of the disciples, but Peter had denied Jesus three times. You know, Peter probably felt that he no longer deserved to be numbered among the, uh, the disciples. He had, he had let Jesus down. He had let the other disciples down. He denied him. But Jesus is rich in grace. You know, what a, what a forgiving God we have. And so rather than saying, tell all the disciples except for Peter, the one who denied me, he says, tell the disciples and Peter. He, he wanted Peter to know that he was still loved, still included, still forgiven. And Jesus wanted Peter to know his grace, his, his amazing grace. And finally, it says the women were afraid and didn't tell anyone anything. And Mark leaves the reader hanging right there. So this is what happened why is this significant? Why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ significant? If he'd died, if he'd stayed in the grave, you know, we'd have to say he was just uh, just an ordinary man, just a regular guy like the rest of us, a really good man, but just a man nonetheless. If he'd remained in the grave, he'd been, been like everybody else, there would be no gospel, there would be no good news. His life and his death would have been in vain. 
It would have been, it would have been meaningless. And all the things he had said would have been a lie, a big one. But he did rise from the grave. And we do have the gospel. God's plan accomplished for us. What is the gospel? Paul gives us kind of a definition of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 through 8. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's, that's Peter, and to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely untimely born, he appeared also to me. So we have the offer of, of forgiveness of sin through the death of Jesus on the on the cross. You know, he he bore the penalty for us. We just sang about that. We have the hope of eternal life because of the resurrection, because he is alive. Jesus defeated death. Uh, The resurrection, it it changes everything. The resurrection is is the key to the power of, of Christianity. So I want to look at what the resurrection accomplished. I've, I've got seven things. You might think of more, but we're going to look at <clears throat> we're going to look at seven. First, it affirms Jesus's claims. The resurrection affirms Jesus's claims. He prophesied three times about his death and resurrection. The resurrection gives authority and credence to Jesus's words. It affirms his message and and it validates his his mission. That's not even mentioning the prophecy in the Old Testament about this. Second, it confirms Jesus' identity as the Messiah. He was, he's not just a good man. He was not merely a, a great rabbi and a great teacher. He's, he's the Messiah. He's the anointed one who had been promised in the Old Testament scripture. You know, the resurrection shows that Jesus' sacrifice was good and acceptable to the Father. You know, it shows us that he is the promised Messiah, that he is the Christ, he's the Lord of all. It confirms his deity. Third, the resurrection gives meaning and significance to Jesus' suffering and death. You know, Jesus didn't subject himself to the mockery, the torment, the abuse, the suffering, the the death on the cross for no reason. He did not do it without reason. His death did not signal a, a failure. His death was not just for show. It was part of God's plan of redemption for a sinful human race, a sinful and, and rebellious world. The Bible, the narrative of the Bible is the story of redemption of, of sinful man, sinful humankind. You know, we, we messed up right at the beginning and we've been sinning ever since. 
you know, the, the resurrection belongs to the, to the rest of the story. The, the suffering and, and death of Jesus uh, doesn't end there. It can't stand alone. You know, the resurrection is, is the completion. It's the culmination of this, this gospel story. Jesus did not die in vain. Jesus accomplished his mission in the resurrection. He conquered death. The grave couldn't hold him. Jesus was and and he is victorious. He conquered death. Fourth, his conquering of death is for us. He died on our behalf. This is this is huge. You know, we all die. We we don't like to think of our mortality, do we? We try to do whatever we can to convince ourselves that we are not going to die. We don't like to talk about our death. We we work as hard as we can to prolong our lives through medicine and diet and exercise and doctors and quackery and and anything else we can get our hands on. But, you know, we're all heading in the same direction, every one of us. Even the most gifted and talented doctors cannot defeat death. You know, the richest and most powerful people in the world still die. You know, I I think of Steve Jobs. Books are being written about him already, about his his great leadership acumen and, you know, what a great visionary he was and everything. Well, guess what? He's dead. He, he in fact, he's, he's really dead. He, he rejected Christ. You know, nobody besides Jesus has been able to solve this, this problem of, of death But because Jesus was resurrected, we don't have to be afraid. We can have confidence. We can have peace knowing that we too will be raised. This resurrection, which he was the first, is for us. We don't have to be afraid. You know, when Lazarus Lazarus died, uh, Jesus took the opportunity to tell Lazarus' sisters the truth. In, in John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This gives us confidence. It gives us security. Number five, the resurrection gives us power over sin. You know, we, we serve a living God. We don't serve a, a dead human. Jesus is alive and he's with us through the Holy Spirit. We, we enjoy and we, we experience his, his presence. Jesus said, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the Spirit. And he'll teach you and he'll, he'll convict you. He'll, he'll guide you. He'll, he'll lead you. He says, I'll be with you always. We have his presence and we have power over sin. Those those who believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins have been given eternal life through 
the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit, born again of the Spirit. We were spiritually dead. We've been made alive through the power of the living Christ. And it's our union with him and the Holy Spirit that gives us power over this sin that enslaved us at one time. The Apostle Paul in Romans 6, 5 through 7 puts it this way. For if we've been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who's died has been set free from sin. We are united with Christ. We died with him. We're raised with him. Sin has no power over over a dead person. And we walk through the Holy Spirit in freedom from the sin that had enslaved us. That's good news. Number six, the resurrection is a display of God's power. You know, some some people reject the idea that God's actually involved in, in human affairs, that God actually has a hand in this world. Some reject the idea that there's a God at all. But the resurrection shows that God does have a hand in, in human history, that he does involve himself in, in human affairs. You know, he's not just a, an uncaring, aloof God who's, who's out there somewhere. God chose to come to us as a person, as a man, Jesus Christ, he came and lived with us. He became one of us. He took on the form of a servant, Paul says in Philippians 2. And why did he do this? To bring us back. To bring us reconciliation where we had left God. We turned our back and walked away from him. And the Bible says that God in Jesus was reconciling us to himself. This is why he came. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And though he, though he came to us as a man, he, he wasn't helpless. He was God in the flesh and he speaks of his power over death in John ten eighteen. He says, no one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the, the authority to take it up again. Now finally, number seven, the resurrection provides the foundation of the kingdom building activity given to us, his followers in the great commission. In Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, Jesus, the, the risen Jesus, is talking to his disciples. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because he lives, because he has the power and the authority that he has given us. 
because he's with us to the end of the age, we are empowered to fulfill the mission that he's given us, completing his mission. He came to seek and save which is lost, and he has said, okay, you guys take over now, but I'm with you. Because he lives, because he has the power of authority. Um, He's given us his mission to make disciples, to lead people to him. So these are some of the things that, that the resurrection gives us. These are the results. What do we do with this? How do we, how do we live this out? What does it mean to us personally? You know, how, do, how do we respond to this? Well, the gospel's an invitation. You know, the resurrection is it's the keystone of the gospel. In the resurrection, we have the offer of eternal life. We're invited to come to him. Because Jesus conquered sin and death, we can be saved. Alistair Begg says that this is an invitation with an RSVP. You received an invitation before that says RSVP, you know what that stands for? Les ponderés, s'il vous plaît. And I said that probably pretty poorly. But that means, what What does it mean? Please respond. Please respond. An RSVP requires a confirmation of the invitation. Whether, whether the response is, yes, I'll attend, or no, I won't. An, RSP, an RSVP says, you need to respond. So you're invited to invite Jesus Christ as your Savior, to receive Jesus Christ. You must say, yes, I will, or no, I won't. You either accept him or you reject him. This, this gospel, this, this good news, this, this joyful news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and was raised, and, and he lives. All of this is according to his perfect plan of of redemption. The gospel says that God loves us. His love was so great that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, to take our sins upon himself so that if we believe in him, we won't perish, but we'll have everlasting life. That's quite an invitation. We don't have the power to conquer death on our own. We can't save ourselves. You know, no, no matter how we try, we just cannot be good enough to save ourselves, to assure our salvation. Only, only Jesus can do that. He came. He lived a sinful life, sinless life. He lived a sinless life. He did not sin. He suffered and died for us. He took our sins upon himself. He did it for us, and he asks us, he invites us to partake in his life, his eternal life, which begins the moment we believe him. So Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. Praise God. As we wrap this up, uh, the, the resurrection 
really is at the center of the, the Christian faith. It's, it's our very core. Uh, N.T. Wright says, should we remove the resurrection, the Christian message would completely unravel. He says that Christianity is a resurrection movement. A resurrection movement. If Jesus was not raised, we'd be fooling ourselves. This would all be a big waste The message would be nothing but fantasy, a big lie, maybe a delusion. But this is how important the resurrection is. Yeah, he was raised just like he said. And he appeared to people at least 12 times that we have recorded. According to the historic witness, hundreds of people saw him. Jesus offers this invitation to, to come to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, the, the living Christ invites us invites us to come to him for the forgiveness of our sins, to come to him for salvation, to come to him for eternal life. You know, the Apostle John in, in his gospel account, the gospel of John says in uh, chapter 1, 12 through 13, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if God is speaking to you today, if you're hearing this, this invitation, come, respond, believe in him and, and receive him as, as your savior. It's not a, there's no special formula, no magic words, just a simple prayer to receive him and believe in him. Something like, Lord Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. I've gone my own way and I want to turn to you and I believe in you for the forgiveness of my sins and I receive you as my savior. Thank you. So if there's anybody here who's believed in Jesus this morning, uh, you're, you're now a child of God and you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And don't keep it to yourself. Come and see me. We'll talk about what it means to, to be a Christian, to begin a new life in Christ. Pray with me. Father, we, we thank you for your love, a love so great that you would send your son to die on our behalf. Jesus took our sins upon his shoulders, took the suffering and death that, that we deserved, dying on the cross, cross, and he rose from the tomb, giving us the promise of eternal life. And because he lives, because he lives, we can have eternal life. We can have abundant life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.